Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. I want us to go to Mark chapter 14 this morning. You ready for the Word? This is going to be an unusual Mother's Day uh, because we're going to do a Bible study today. (laughs) We're going to tackle some things if we get that far. We're going to tackle some things that... uh, uh, have been controversial in the church, uh, but we're going to look and see what the Bible has to say about it. And what I want to talk about today is God uses women. Amen. Thank God for women. Yeah. I married one. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was a great decision, by the way. Amen. And uh, I wouldn't be here today in the ministry or even serving the Lord if it wasn't for my godly mother. Because she got saved somewhere... I'm really not positive, but she got saved somewhere in the late 60s or early 70s and started going to church. And, uh, you know, she uh, got full of the Holy Spirit, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, got a hold of the message of faith and victory, and uh, began preaching to me and all of her children, for that matter, and uh, warning us about the rapture and the Lord was coming back. She tried to put the fear of God in you. But sometimes you need that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, she would tell me, because she didn't, she, you know, I was a drug user, and so was my, my older brother. My younger brother, not so much. My sister, not at all that I know of. Uh, but the, us two older boys were, and uh, we, we uh, were a mess. And Mom would try to put the fear of God in us when we'd go to rock concerts, you know. She didn't like us going to rock concerts. She'd never been to one herself, but she just had a good idea what was going on at those rock concerts, and she was right. Uh, it was going on, and she would, she would say to me sometimes, where would you be tonight, when she knew I was going to a concert, where would you be tonight if Jesus came back? And I thought, well, I'd be at a rock concert. It, it, you know, if I wasn't ready, it wouldn't matter whether I was at the rock concert or... I was at Walmart. If Jesus come back and I'm not ready, I'm not going. But I thank God for her because I wouldn't be in the ministry today. I wouldn't be serving God if it wasn't for her. And so I want to talk about how God uses women. Amen. Go with me to Mark chapter 14 if you have a Bible with you. Uh, you can read along with me. Uh, verse number 3 says, and, and being in Bethany, this is Jesus, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box full of ointment of spikenard, very precious, or perfume. And she broke the the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of anointment or ointment uh, made? For this might have been sold for more than 300 pence, and have given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Now, you have to understand, we'll stop there and we'll we'll finish reading up uh, in this passage. When the Bible says it was sold, it could have been sold for uh, 300 pence. When you do a study on that, it literally means about a year's worth of wages. So in modern terms, the median wage for an individual today is around $54,000. So this lady had a $54,000 bottle of perfume. This woman was a shopper. I'm telling you. 
What woman has a $54,000 bottle of worth of perfume? And so she breaks it. You know, I don't know how long this woman saved to get this perfume. I don't know. Maybe she was a wealthy woman. I really don't know. Uh, but what I do know is that the others didn't like it because she spent too much money on Jesus. Look what Jesus said. Verse 6, He said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you will, you may do good unto them. But me you have not always. She has done what she could uh, beforehand to anoint my body for, for the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wherever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for a memorial. Interesting thing. This woman thought Jesus was worth $54,000. The others didn't. That's too much money to spend on a preacher. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. What, what are we talking about here? This woman, she placed some value on Jesus. She placed some value on Him. Where others didn't, she did. And when you look at Jesus' ministry, one of the things that you're going to see is He had many women heavily involved in His ministry. Heavily involved. You find that in, in the book of Mark, where it says many women uh, were with Him in His ministry. Uh, Luke tells us that there were certain women that followed him around and they ministered to him of their substance. They, they gave, they supported his ministry. One of them was a wealthy woman uh, named, Sus I think her name was Susanna, uh, that followed Jesus and gave. And they, they saw value in him. The, the, the very first person that, that was at the tomb when he was resurrected was, resurrect was a woman. Right? The very first one he appeared to after his resurrection was a woman. The very first one to preach the resurrection was a woman. Her name was Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She was so grateful to Jesus. Jesus liberated women. He used women. Uh, you have to go back, you know, and do a lot of study. But you can dig things out and find out that women in a lot of societies in Jesus' days, they were treated as slaves. They were no more than a piece of property. That's actually where the marriage ring came from on a woman. The guy put it on her. That's, he, she's his property. He owns her. And... Um, but Jesus came around. He had a different view of women altogether. Amen. You know what? We wouldn't even have a Savior if it wasn't for a woman. Thank God for women. Now, I'm just kind of setting you up because, you know, this is a real unusual. We're going to get into a theological doctrinal study today. And some people may agree with it. Some people may not. That you're, you know, how many know we don't? How many know we need to learn to agree to disagree instead of being argumentative? And you know, that's not the way I see it. Well, I want to talk to you about about God using women in the ministry. 
Does he or doesn't he? Well, the Bible gives us some answers. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I told you it's going to be different today, but it's going to be good. I spent hours digging these things out. Some of them I've known for a while, but I spent hours digging things out. I want to read to you. You know, there's two passages in the New Testament that, that, that churches use to teach that women should not preach. Oh, there's only two. That's the only thing they got. Um, and, of course, you know, two's powerful enough. If they're, that's what they say, they're powerful enough. But let's find out and see, are they saying what, we, what some people say they say? Because there's churches that allow women to speak, denominations that do. There's denominations that don't. I don't think we should, you know, have a falling out over it. But I think, I think we should, you know, if, if you want to see what the Bible says about it, I think it's good to dig it out. Don't you? It's Mother's Day, right? This is the day for women's liberation. And I'm not talking about like the world does it. In Christ, Christ, everybody's liberated. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, God's still got His order in the home and all, but, but thank God the Bible says in Christ Jesus there's neither male nor female. Amen. Well, do we believe that or don't we? Now, thank God in real life there is still male and female. Amen. Can I have a better amen? amen? It's been that way. You can't change that. I know, I know it's trying to be changed today, but you can't change that because it's unchangeable. It's just the way it is. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Sometimes I... I I don't know if I get angry sometimes, and, and I, sometimes it's just, I don't know, I just think you're, you're crazy. You know, I'll get somebody like, what sex are you, male, female, or other? I said, I've never met another yet. And supposedly there's like 26 of them now. You could pick from 26 different things. I, I don't know what they are. I don't want to know because I know what I am. Amen. I'm a man. I hope you know what you are. Amen. Now, why is it so quiet in here? All right. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at these two passages of Scripture. One's in 1 Corinthians 14, and the other is in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, I'm reading out of the King James Bible. It says in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, did I tell you that? All right. Verse 34 says, Let your women keep silent in the churches. For it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And all the men said, Amen. Bunch of cowards today. They ain't about to say anything, right? You want to live, right? And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it? Unto you only. Now, here is one of the passages that is used to say that women can't ever preach or be in the ministry or be, be used of God like that. Uh, now, I want to talk to you about this this morning because uh, th th this, this is important. It really is important because about 60, probably, I don't, I don't really know for sure, but I'd, I'd estimate that about 65% of the church is women. So if we shut up women, we shut up 65% of the church. That sounds like a devil plan to me. It doesn't sound like a God plan. But there's three views on this scripture and another one we're going to look at here in 1 Timothy chapter 2 in just a little bit. But there's three views on this scripture, all right? And there may be more than this, but these are the three predominant script, script views. The first view is this scripture strictly forbids women preaching. All right, so that's view number one. View number two is, and I have to explain this to you, it's a, it's, it's a responsa. 
You say, what is a responsa? Well, uh, rabbis, you know, sometimes taught and maybe still do by what's called a responsa. A responsa means you ask questions and they answer it. And that's how they teach. And so there are some that teach that all Paul was doing here in Second, First uh, Corinthians 11, four, uh, 14, all he was doing was he was doing what a rabbi would do. He was responding to questions that the Corinthian church had asked. And um, when we'll talk about all these in just a minute. All right. So. Uh, so th that's the second, that it was a responsa. In other words, you could just say it like this. It was a response to a question that they asked. Number three, it was, this is the third view of this scripture. It was Paul simply addressing the confusion in the Corinthian church services and had nothing to do with forbidding women from preaching. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at all three of these. You can pick which one you like. Is that good enough? I said, is that good enough? Come on, you're going to talk to me today? Or somebody else want to sit up here and finish this sermon? You've got to have some guts to preach some of these things I'm going to preach today. Not everybody will do it. But I want to deal with the first one where it's taught that this scripture forbids women from preaching. Well, first of all, that's not what the scripture said. It said, keep silent in the church. Which would mean... They can't teach Sunday school. But yet, those that preach that this, teach that this means women can't preach, they let them teach Sunday school. Matter of fact, there's denominations that will not allow women preachers, but they will allow them to preach overseas in the mission field and send them out as missionaries. Something's wrong with that picture, I would say. It would mean if women were to keep silent in the church, if we were to follow this scripture and not rightly divide it and follow it just based off the way it's interpreted by some, it would mean women must keep silent in church. It means they can't, they can't only, not only can they not preach, they can't lead praise and worship. Jill is way out of order if that's the interpretation of Scripture. Now, don't you get on to her because you women that sing during the song service, you're out of order too. Because singing is not keeping silent. Matter of fact, as soon as you walk in those doors, you need to shut your mouth. Because Paul said, women, keep silent in church. You're looking at me like, that's ludicrous. You're right, it's ludicrous. It's not rightly divided. So if Paul's not saying that, how can we say he's saying they can't preach? Am I going to get any help today? Or am I, I thought you women would help me today. I thought for sure I'd get some amens out of the women. Now, I want you to think about that. That's what Paul said. Let the women keep silent in church. Silent. That means don't say anything. I think you can understand that's not what Paul meant, right? Now, I want you to think about this. In the Old Testament, there was a woman by the name of Deborah who was a judge. That means she was a leader over men in Israel. She was also called a prophetess. There was another woman named Miriam, Moses' sister, who was called a prophetess. There was another woman named Hilda, who was called a prophetess. Isaiah's wife, in Isaiah 8.3, was called a prophetess. Anna, in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 2, was called a prophetess. 
Now, you have to think about this. If it's wrong for women to be in the ministry in the New Testament, then it had to be wrong in the Old Testament. If it's wrong, it's wrong. How many know adultery is still wrong in the New Testament? It's not just the Ten Commandments that passed away and now we're free. No, it's still wrong. Because if something is wrong, it's wrong. Is that right? So here we have that. We, we also find in the Bible that the Bible says in the last days, God would pour His Spirit up out, out upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters would prophesy. I'd pour out my Spirit on your servants and your handmaidens and they would prophesy. Now it's interesting to me that, you know, I've been at this for over 40 some years. I've, I've had theological debates with a lot of people. And we've discussed the scriptures. And I, some of them that teach that women can't preach in a church, when you ask them about prophesying, they, they, if, you, if you'll just change the subject and say, okay, well, what is prophesying? They'll say, well, prophesying means to preach because they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit today. So if we say prophesying is preaching, then it says, and your sons and your daughters shall preach. You know what they usually say then? I'll get back with you. I'm still waiting over 30 years for one, one person to get back with me. They haven't done it yet. I don't think they're going to. See, you have to rightly divide the Bible. How many know that? You can't just pull a scripture. Here, here's where we get in trouble. If we pull a scripture out of its setting and we don't take that same scripture and, and divide it with the other scriptures, everything said about the subject, then we... We, we're not rightly dividing it. In, in theological terms, we call, it, we call it exegesis. That means interpreting the text, what is actually being said. You have to know what is Paul talking about, who is he talking to, and what other scriptures are there. There's all kinds of uh, things that we're going to talk about today. By the time I get done, you're either going to be mad at me, or you're going you're to see, you know, I think we've misinterpreted some things here. Now, not us personally, but, you know, as, as the church. Paul, or excuse me, in Acts, the Bible talks about uh, a man, uh, an evangelist by the name of Philip that had four daughters that prophesied. Paul told the, the women in 1 Corinthians 11, 5, that they could pray and prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, the same chapter, verse 31, he said, you may all prophesy. He didn't say man or woman. He said, you all can at the right time. Amen. So, so, when... Hold your place there in 1 Corinthians 14. Don't lose that. We're going to come back to that. But if you would, go to Romans chapter uh, 16. Romans 16. Because I am really about to get into some things that really uh, are eye-opening to me. And... Um, how I many know if you're, you know, here's what I learned. Those that refuse to, to be convinced, they're going to remain unconvinced. I've learned that a long time ago. But, but I, think, I think it's just important that we understand. See, because you're, you see women in this pulpit preaching, don't you? I have women preachers. I think it's, you, you need to understand what I believe the Scripture says about it. And this is why I allow it, because I, I don't think the Scripture forbids it. And I'll tell you which one of these three I think, you know, is the right one, the right view. All right? Now, in Romans 16, go there. You got it? Paul said, verse 1, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church that is in Centria, 
that you receive her in the Lord as becometh a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a helper of many and of myself also. Now, interesting, the word where it says Phoebe is a servant in the church at Centria, the word servant is the same word found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 where it says office of a deacon. You can look it up yourself. So literally what Paul said was Phoebe, a deacon in the church at Sincrea. Now, I understand. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fool you. This word here, deacon, is also sometimes used as the word servant. But what Paul describes here, he says, when she comes, you assist her in her business, which means she's in leadership, which means she's doing the office of a deacon conducting church business. To me, there's no doubt this woman was a, we would say, a deaconess in the church. You're either listening really well or uh, we're about to have a revolt. We'll find out, right? Do, do we believe the Bible or are we just going to hang on to our religious tradition? What are we going to do? we believe the Bible or what? I'm not done yet. You, you haven't, I want to read some verses here. You, you, you're going to suck some air here in a minute. Now, verse 3. Greet. Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have laid down uh, their own necks, for my life they've laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that's in their house. Now, anybody ever heard of Priscilla and Aquila? I mean, these were a couple that worked with Paul. Now, here's the interesting thing about this couple. You know, uh, this couple, from all indications, were a ministry couple, a man and wife that preached. Now, here's why I say that. Because when Paul talked about a man, when did he ever mention the man's wife? He never did. He always talked about the man. But because she's prominent, he mentions her name. Obviously, she's in the ministry along with her husband. Interesting thing is, they are mentioned three to, four times in the Scriptures, Aquila and Priscilla. Only twice... Aquila is the man, Priscilla is the woman, okay? Explain that to you. Only out of, out of the six times, only twice is the man's name, Aquila, put first. All the other times, Priscilla's name is first. That is revealing. In other words, she must have had the predominant preaching, teaching, ministry gift. And that's why her name is first. There's no other explanation for that. Uh, for instance, I have, uh, over the years I've preached for pastors Men, pastors, and, and women. There's not nearly as many women pastors as there are men, but I have preached for women's, women's pastors. Uh, when I address them in church or in public, uh, normally you put a man's name first. This is Pastor Chuck and Joanne Caldemeyer. But because the woman's the pastor or the lead, as far as the spiritual gifting, I, when it's, when it's, I'll put her name first. That's exactly what Paul did. He recognized the gifting in Priscilla and realized she was more predominant in her anointing. It doesn't bother me at all. I wish my wife had more anointing than I did to preach. As a matter of fact, I wish she would preach so I could sit on the front row. 
there are times I've tried to get her to go preach. You know, it's like, I'm tired. I've got a meeting this afternoon, you know. You know, I want to take a nap. And she's like, no, nope, you're not going, I'm not going. Here's what you got to learn. See, a lot of people say, well, you need to just turn your wife loose. My wife is so loose right now, she could have it all. My wife has preached, why, one time in your life, maybe twice. She says, I, people, five times, four times, okay. But, you know, people tried to get her to, and she, no, no, if the Lord tells me I will, but if not, I'm not going to do it. And you might as well know, you might as well talk to that wall, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Amen. And I think it's good to be insecure in who you are, right? And what God's gifted you with. Amen. Here's another question. Now, no, we're gonna, let's finish reading up. Uh, go down to, um, let me see, where do we want to go? Verse 7. Paul says, salute Andronicus and Junia, a woman, my kinsman, these are family members, and my fellow prisoners. So evidently this couple had been in prison uh, before. Uh, now, now, I don't know that this couple was married or it was a man, a man and a woman that he, a couple of, a man and a woman that were his relatives. It, it, but here's, but I want you to notice what he says, verse 7, and this is the King James, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Now, the word note means that they were, listen, this, listen to the meaning of this. It means they were remarkable or outstanding among the apostles. Paul just called them apostles. Do you see that? They're at note among the apostles. If they weren't apostles, he wouldn't say they're among the apostles. Amen. I've, you know, let's just say, I don't know if anybody here is named Fred. I don't want to use anybody's name, but let's just say Fred. Fred is, he's, he's I tell you, he's, he's at note among car salesmen. What does that tell you? He's a car salesman. Right? And he's good at it. Paul said, Junia, a woman, is good at being an apostle. Well, I thought, I thought there was only 12 apostles. Well, there's only 12 apostles of the Lamb. Uh, but Paul was an apostle, wasn't he? He wasn't an apostle of the Lamb. Barnabas is called an apostle. Silas is called an apostle. Timothy is called an apostle. There's others in the Bible that are called apostles. See, I know there's teaching that, you know, there was only 12 apostles. No, you need to read your Bible. There's, the Bible refers to others as apostles. Junia, a woman, was an apostle. Wow, that's interesting. Amen. So to me, to me, uh, to me, view number one, the Scripture strictly forbids women from preaching. I, frankly, I don't see that. Well, what does it mean? Well, we're going to deal with it, all right? I don't, I don't got so much time here. So let, let's, um, well, I'll tell you what. Let's, you, got, you got your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, right? All right. Let's go to, keep that place and go to 1 Corinthians 7 if you, if you have Bible with you. Because here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the second view is that Paul was simply responding to a question. We called it, a, it's called a responsa. You can look that up if you want to check that out sometime. It was a, for, it was a way of teaching not only among the uh, rabbis, but among others, where you ask questions, they answered, they dealt with doctrine, they dealt with questions you had, life issues and things, by answering questions. And so we, we can see from the Bible that, the, you know, it's, it, that, that this church at Corinth was asking questions. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 7, have you got it? Look at verse 1. 
Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. So they must have been asking questions, right? It, it, it is good uh, for a woman not to touch, for a man not to touch a woman. Or Young's Little Translation puts it this way. Good is it for a woman not to touch, for a man not to touch a woman? Well, so that really was a question. You know, is it, you know, because you have to understand, you have to, I don't have time to teach all this, but Corinth was a really immoral, sexually immoral city. And it was, it was normal to them. It was just part of life. So here, the church, the, the preachers come in and they start preaching living right. So this church, this church has been raised in immorality. I won't talk about it, you know, but there were some very <laughs> ungodly things went on in this society and they considered it normal. They just didn't think anything about it. And so Paul comes in and others preaching Apollos and they're teaching living right and not living sexually immoral. So they have questions. And like, okay, if you're saying that, is it good for a man not to touch, touch a woman? Well, how many, you know, it, uh, how many guys can answer this question? How many guys are married? You've already answered that question. It wasn't good for you, right? You're touching. Look at that. He's touching a woman back there, right back there. All right. So Paul deals with it. He says, he says nevertheless, or he says, he says uh, the word nevertheless now. The word nevertheless is also the word now. Now to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. Paul said, no, that's, that's, not, that's not the way it, it should be. He went on to explain, if you're gifted, if God's gifted you to be single, great. It'll work for you. If he hasn't, it's not going to work. Amen. Is that right? See, the, see the, so, so, so you look at that. He asks a question. And, and in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 1 says, Now touching things offered to idols. So they, offer, they ask about idols. In 1 Corinthians 16, they said, Now concerning the... He said, now concerning the collection for the saints. So they asked him about that offering. So they're asking questions. Now here is what some people, uh, one of the views of this scripture is. All right. One of the views of this scripture is that is Paul, is, Paul is simply quoting their question back to them. Are you, are you, are you listening? Are you following me now? In other words, he's saying, let your women keep silent in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they're to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in church. You see, this would have been, this would have been the norm for them. You understand, if you go back in some of these uh, societies in biblical times, women were not allowed privileges at all. They weren't allowed to go to public assemblies. They weren't, they weren't allowed to do a lot of things. They, they just, one thing, in, in uh, one particular place, they weren't allowed to shop. I think we should bring that back. Can I have an amen? Let's bring that one back. But they had no freedom. They could not, they, they weren't even allowed to, like public assemblies, they weren't even allowed to go to the public assemblies. And so naturally, the Corinth church might think that's the way it is. And so this, this view, it's like they're asking Paul, well, they can't speak in church. They can't, you, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's just, it's new to them that they even get to come. Because there were some of those societies, they didn't go to the synagogue. Women did not go to the synagogue. Now, not, not in Israel, not, in, not Jewish, but... 
Paul's not dealing, he's dealing with Gentiles here. He's dealing with the heathen world right here. They didn't have the laws of God. And so, verse 36 is believed his answer to them. What? Came the word of God out from you or came it from you only? See, th you can understand why some people think this if you understand and you dig into this. So you have to do a little digging sometimes or, to understand your Bible. You can understand what, why some people think this was Paul answering their question. And his answer was, what? In other words, this is ridiculous. What are you talking about? Women are liberated. They're free. We're all one in Christ. Amen. How many know Paul clearly said they could pray and prophesy? That's 1 Corinthians 11. Amen. Now, let's deal with the, the third one. Are y'all still breathing or what? All right. Number three is this, and this is, this is personally the, what, what I believe was going on here. Paul was simply addressing confusion in the church. This whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 14 is about disorder in the services. You look at verse 40, he says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Verse 26, I remember we used to teach this and we taught it wrong. Paul said, How is it, brethren, then brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a song, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man, that word man is means if anyone speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. Can you see what Paul was saying? Paul's saying when you guys have come together, everybody's got something. He said this is not working. You've got to do this decently in order. What kind of service would we have this morning or any church if everybody had something? Most of you won't stay that long. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Paul's addressing confusion. Now, here... If you go back to verse 34, he said, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if, if they will learn anything, he didn't say if they will preach anything, if they will pray anything, if they will prophesy anything. He said if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. So this is talking about wives, isn't it? Not all women have husbands. Let them ask their husband at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, he's not saying it's a shame for women to speak in the church, period. It's a shame for women to speak in the church in this way. What was going on? If you do a little study, here's what you're going to find out. See, when these women got liberated and they got in these assemblies, they started asking questions like crazy. Because, listen, now I don't mean it's offensive, but it's just the truth. You can do your own study if you want to. In those days, women had very little education. Their, their husbands taught them. Now, how smart would you women be if your husband taught you? I rest my case. 
So when they got in this environment and they're liberated and they're free and they can go into assembly now, they're asking all kinds of questions. And Paul said, if they want to learn anything, tell them to quit this. Be silent. Stop talking. Stop interrupting the service. Because in those days, it was normal, it was customary for men to ask questions in an assembly. But now you got everybody doing it. And Paul said, if they want to learn anything, just ask your husband at home. Of course, he's probably a dummy, he doesn't know if he's like most husbands today, but. I'm sorry, guys. It's Mother's Day. Help me out. So, literally, see. When Paul says be silent in churches, he's not saying women can't say anything in church. You've got to know that's the truth. That would mean they can't even sing or praise and worship God in church. They can't lead praise and worship. He's saying in this area of interrupting the service, shut up. Is that blunt enough? Just stop it. Just stop it. We've got to have some order in the service. Stop it. If you want to learn something, wait till you get home, ask your husband. All right, praise God. Now, since... since, since our time is about gone. Go over to First uh, Timothy chapter two. C- c- did you see anything out of that? First yeah. yeah. Timothy chapter two. Go over there, and if you could, Scott, uh, if you're able to, would you put First Timothy chapter two, verse twelve, on the screen? Because I want to read this out of the King James, because the King James really does a really good job with translating this verse right here. All right. Now, I think after what we said, this verse will make a little more sense to you. You there? All right. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse verse 11. Let the woman do what? Learn. Learn. What? Learn. Learn in silence with all subjection. Isn't that what Paul just said to the Corinthian church? Hey, quit interrupting the service. Just chill. Chill. Right? All right. Um, but listen, verse 12 is one that really is used to try to whack women. You cannot preach or teach. But, but, but yet the same thing. I want to say it again. The, the same people that teach this, they let their women teach Sunday school. I don't get it. That's the church, isn't it? Right. And they'll even like, I know denominations. And I've been overseas. I know denominations that they, in America, they will not let women in their pulpits. But overseas, they let them preach all they want to. Because they need them. They can't get people to go. Well, listen, friend, if it's wrong, if it's wrong in America, it's wrong in another country. Let's don't be hypocritical about it. Now, notice verse 12. He says, but I I suffer not a woman to teach nor to. And the King James, this is where the King James gets it really right. Usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, once again, we know uh, if you do some study, that they were interrupting the service was asking questions and things like that. Paul was dealing with that. Uh, you know, and it was customary for men to do it, but not for women to do it. And, um, but I want you to see something. This doesn't say what a lot of people say it, it says. I want you to notice, can you see that verse or am I blocking it? I'm blocking it. All right. I'll get out of the way. Now, can you see that verse? I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp. Notice the word usurp, authority over the man, but to be in silence. He didn't say a woman couldn't teach or have authority over a man. He said she can't usurp it over a man, over the man. 
Now, what does the word usurp mean? Well, the word usurp means to take something that's not given to you. That word usurp actually means this. It means to act of oneself or to dominate. So usurping means you take authority. See, if you read it, I don't know if I'm getting through to you, but when he says, I suffer not a woman to teach, that word teach and, and the word says teach and usurp authority, those go together. They're connected in the Greek. In other words, he's putting one, one thought out. Don't teach or usurp over the man. In other words, don't run over the man. Don't dominate the man. That's what he's saying. Um, but and don't, don't take authority. How many know if a pastor is pastoring a church and he's not called to pastor, he's usurped authority. He's taken something not given to him. See, what did Jesus, see, see, see you, you can't have anything that's not given to you from above. See? So you can usurp authority by doing things that you, you know, right? See, we have women in this church that are, they're, that are in authority in certain areas. They're not usurping. It was given to them. Now, they may tell men what to do. But see, in the natural creation, God put man as the head of the home, didn't he? Right? See, now here, here's, an, here's an interesting thing. Have you know Deborah, we talked about Deborah. Have you know she had authority over men? Wasn't she the ruler? Was she usurping authority over men? <coughs> no, because it was given to her. God called her to do that. <coughs> so when Paul says, I, I suffer not a woman to teach, a lot of people run with this. Well, see, women aren't supposed to teach. No, read it really in context what the man's saying. Teach or usurp authority over men. In other words, you, I don't give you permission to run over men, women. I mean, that's, the, that's the, been the order of God since creation. That's been the order of God. It's not saying a woman can't teach. It's that you can't get out of the creational, creational order. Yeah. Yeah. Am I making any sense at all? I, you know, I, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I hear myself thinking, th- preach and think, th- th- did I make any sense at all? I hope I am because really... Uh, when you look at this, <clears throat> actually, let me, let me give you this, because <clears throat> this, is, this is pretty good, too. We're, we're the King James here. <clears throat> How many got that about you, sir? You got that? That means taking something doesn't belong to you. It means to, to, to act. Uh, the word actually means to act of oneself. You, you just decided. See? How, how many know? Now, let me say this, too. You know, when the Bible talks about uh, women submit to you know, to your husband. How many, ever, how many know that that has been taken and has just by some guys, and like, you got to obey me, you got to do whatever I say, and they're a big bully. But did you know the Bible tells men to love, Christ, to love their wife as Christ loved the church? Which means you don't push them around, you don't bully, you don't dominate them, you don't domineer, you don't say this is the way it is, and that's it. And did you know the Bible says to, we're all to submit to one another? What does that mean? We're all supposed to have submissive, humble, meek attitudes and spirits about it. Amen. But, you know, ultimately it is the man's uh, uh, position to, you know, lead the home. But if he doesn't do it, then the wife has to. Amen. But listen to this. This is, now this, this you can look this up. All this stuff, you can, you can get this CD, you can burn it, throw it away, or you can look at the scriptures up. Whatever you say. But, but verse 12 where he said, I, I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but be in silence. If you understand Greek, the language, you don't even have to understand. All you got to do is just look it up. 
But, but in the Greek, the word here for woman is the same word for wife. Matter of fact, the Greek uses the same word for woman and wife. The same Greek word is used for woman and wife. Same Greek word. Same Greek word is used for man and husband. You have to decide by the setting whether the Greek is talking about a, a, hus- a man and a woman or a husband and a wife. Does that me follow that what I just said there? Because they're using the same Greek word. So right here, you could easily and probably should translate this verse, I suffer not a wife to teach nor usurp authority over the husband. And you would, it, it clears the whole thing up. In other words, listen, any way you want to take this, there is no way these two scriptures are telling women they can't preach. Can I have a better amen? Even if you have to lie about it. God will forgive you after a while. But here, <laughs> I'm teasing. Here, here's, the thing, here's the thing that I've thought of, okay? You know, I thought about this before I, ever, before I even had dug these scriptures out and realized that's not what this is saying. Paul's addressing issues at the time. He's addressing women interrupting the service. Now, don't misunderstand me. Men were interrupting the service too. He, he was everything. He, that's what he was talking about, 1 Corinthians 14, about interruptions in the service, about disorder. Uh, but women had gotten liberated, man. These, these, you understand, Jewish women would have been different. They would have already, they wouldn't have had some of the restrictions on them that these others from these Gentile nations did. Uh, and so, you know, these Gentile women got liberated and they got liberated. And Paul said, hey, we need to tone it down. You know, there's even a time in 1 Corinthians where he tells them about wearing a head covering. You ever read that? You ever wonder what that's about? Well, if you keep reading, he says, if any man seems to be contentious, we don't have any customs like this, neither the church of God. This, in other words, this is not a God rule. This is a societal thing. Because that's the way your society views it. You, you just need to work with it. How I many know sometimes you have to work with society as long as it's not immoral? Right? For once, one, one minister, he said, I was over in this, this country, and he said, I was getting ready to preach, you know. And he said, I'm out there, and I'm just happy. And he said, I'm, I'm whistling, you know. I'm not a good whistler. But you get it? He said, the, the, the host says to me, I wouldn't do that if I was you. He said, why? He said, in our country, that's considered vulgar. He said, if the people hear you do that, they're not going to come and listen to you preach. Well, I mean, that's not Bible. There's nothing in the Bible against whistling. Nothing in the Bible against snoring. Thank you, Jesus. But in their custom, it's just really smart to abide by it. Paul said, I become all men, I become all things to all men that I may win some. Doesn't mean he changed his beliefs, doesn't mean he was immoral, but if their customs didn't violate the word of God, I'm going along with them. See, if I go to church and they say to me, the only thing you can preach in is a black suit. I got a black suit on this morning. See? That's all you can preach in. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to argue and say, well, it, they, you don't own me. You're not my boss. There's no verse on that. I'm going to wear a black suit. Why? It doesn't violate the word of God. It's not hurting anything. But if that's their custom, all right. Amen. And they say, you have to have hair. I'll borrow a wig. There's one back in the children's church room. I had it on the other day. I look like a rocker, man. I'm telling you, I was like, whoa. 
I looked at it, I thought, I don't really need hair. That makes me look too, too much of a rocker. Amen. Final question. Did you get anything today? Yeah. Final, final question is this, all right? I've been at this for over 40, over 40 years, 41 years now, preaching the gospel. I've been there when the anointing was and when the anointing wasn't. One, one, they asked one guy, said, now, he was preaching on the anointing. One preacher, old preacher. Only he was calling it the anointment. The anointment. So after the service, someone asked him, said, what, what is this anointment that you're talking about? You know, he meant anointing, but he was saying anointment. And, they, and he said, I don't know what all together it is, but I know when it ain't. Well, I concur with that. I, don't, I may not know everything about the anointing, but I know when it's not, and I know when it is. Right? When the anointing's on somebody, it brings refreshing and watering in your life. It's different. You, you, if you listen to somebody give a speech, just a normal Joe off the street give a, a, a speech all by himself, and you listen to somebody preach under the anointing, you'll, tell, you'll know the difference. There's a difference. My question is, if God doesn't want women preachers, why did he anoint them? Because I've sure said under some that had some anointing on their life. And I'm thinking, God's not going to anoint you to do something he didn't call you to do. Now, I know because I've said under preachers that, didn't, that were called preachers that weren't called. And they didn't have any anointing on their life. And it was obvious. So I know. And I'm thinking, well, why would he anoint her if she ain't supposed to do it? Pardon my bad English, but did you get that? If she's not supposed to do it, why anoint her? I think we missed something along the way. God uses women. Happy Mother's Day. Now, that doesn't mean you're all running out here and you're called to preach now. And I got to deal with that for the next six months. Because the truth is, women are called to preach, but you know what? There's, there's more. I, I don't really know. There, there's, more, there's, there's more men that are in the ministry than women. That's obvious. There's more men. Can, 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 women, can women pastor? Well, let's just talk about it. Did you think women could be a deacon? But we just read about one in the Bible. Can women pastor? Let me just say something to you. I'm closing. Jill, come on up. Can, can, can women pastor? Let me see, because listen to me. The qualifications that Paul gives, he gives for a man, doesn't he? For both deacons and uh, pastors. Is that right? All right. Does that mean women can't be? Well, if we take that view of it, if we take that view of it, you got to understand, Paul's writing to Gentile people. You know, men are predominant. He's, he's you know, he, he, what he wrote was, wrote, wrote was, was you know, principles that apply to the ministry. All right? He used a man in both instances. But if we take that, that that's the, that what, what he wrote, that that's all that can be a pastor, then a single man can't be a pastor because there's no qualifications in there for single men. It's all married men. Right? 
Which would mean if a pastor's been pastoring a church, you know, for 40 years, and his wife dies, he's now single, he's got to step down because he didn't qualify. Does that make any sense to you? I said, does that make any sense to you? Listen, where Paul said, if, if, if any man desires the office of a bishop, you look this up. You don't have to take my word for it. Where we said, if any man desires the office of the bishop, it is not the original Greek word for man. It's the word tis, T-I-S. And tis means if anybody desires the office of a bishop. Yeah. Well, look, I was with you when you said that women could preach, but now that you're saying they're pastor, I'm, off, I'm, off, I'm jumping off the ship. Well, the ship's about to port anyway, so the water's going to be shallow. So go ahead and jump. No, I believe that just what the Bible said, in Christ Jesus, there's neither male nor female. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Scythian or barbarian or whatever it was. When we get in Christ. Now, now listen now. In the natural world, there still is. But in Christ, giftings doesn't, God's giftings do not know gender. They go to whomever God decides. That's why we see in the Bible, Deborah, Hilda, Anna, Isaiah's wife, Miriam, prophetesses. God uses women, guys. Amen. God uses women. Did you get something today? Praise the Lord for His Word. Amen. You may have to get the CD. We still have CDs, right? You may, still, you may have to get the CD. You may, uh, hey, you may want the notes. I give them to you. Send me an offering, $300. No, I, I can make them available. You can look the scriptures up. You don't have to take my word for it. You, you, I, matter of fact, I tell people, you, you, if it's not in the Bible, forget it. I don't care who said it. One, one, one minister said this. I'll close with this. I like this. He said, for something to be scriptural, it has to have some what? has to have scriptures. There's, Paul said, rightly divide the word of truth. That means find out everything the Bible is saying about that subject, put it all together, and let's see what it balances out to. Amen. Thank God for his word. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.